Jeremiah chapter 29 and verse number 11. The Bible says, <clears throat> For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans of welfare and not for calamity, to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. And you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. And I will be found by you, declares the Lord. And I will restore your fortunes and will gather you from all the nations and from all the places where I have driven you, declares the Lord. And I will bring you back to the place from where I sent you into exile. Uh, I want to talk about God's plan. There was a song that came out regarding God's plan. Let me start by saying there is a part of God's plan that can frustrate the human spirit. And the part of God's plans that can frustrate the human spirit is the fact that we don't always know them. The Bible says that God declares my thoughts and your th thoughts, my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways, declares the Lord. For as far as the heavens are from the earth, so are my thoughts and your thoughts, and so are my ways and your ways. The reality is God has a plan. The frustration is we don't always know what that plan looks like. And if we can trust the end of the plan, part of the human frustration is that we don't know how the end will come about. God says that he is a provider, but it does not, he does not always tell us the road to his providence. God says he is a healer, but he doesn't always let us know how long we're going to be sick. God says he's a deliverer, but he doesn't always give us how long and what will happen in our period of bondage. And so it becomes difficult in the human spirit to embrace the idea at times that God has a plan. It isn't that we don't understand that God has a plan. It isn't that we don't know that he has a plan. What frustrates the human spirit at times is that we don't always know what that plan looks like. And I guess this will fall under the sovereignty of God. So this will be a two-part series under the sovereignty of God. We don't always know. And guess what? God does not have to tell us what his plan is. He does not have to tell us. At times, God will leave us in a place of ignorance and a place of uncertainty and give us and, and, and give us the option of trusting his character when we can't see the unfolding of his plan. And here in this text, very familiar text, I know the plans I have for you. And it's amazing what we've done with scripture at times. What we've done is with scripture at times is we'll take scripture and immediately apply it to us. And sometimes we disregard what it meant to the people who were directly being spoken to. And when you do that, 
uh, sometimes you can take our you can take your own context put it with that scripture and it really doesn't fit because the original context is what help us br helps bring clarity to the original text and so we need to understand the original context and the original context was that the people of God uh, the children of Israel were in bondage they were in a fix again they were in captivity not only was it a shelter in place but it was a land in place they had they were exiles in Babylonian captivity and and God let them know through the prophet Jeremiah that this was not anything that was by happenstance God let them know that God sent them into exile and let me tell you something what what how man explains things and how God explains things are two totally different things when you don't know God you will call it you would you know they would call it that Babylon would say we conquered Israel but those who know God would hear from God that God is saying I'm sending you into exile the reality is it doesn't matter who labels it what God says it is is what it is uh, even when Jesus stood before Pilate, it might have, uh, Pilate had one rendition of what was going on, and Jesus had another rendition of what was going on. Pilate's rendition was when he said, don't you know I have the power to release you? This is what Jesus says. Jesus says, uh, you don't have any power but the power my Father gives, and not only that, no man takes my life, I lay it down. It all depends on who's telling the narrative. But when God tells the narrative, we see that God is in control, even of this moment for the children of Israel. Here they were in Babylonian captivity, and God had sent them into exile. God had released them into exile, and they were, uh, Jerusalem had been taken, and uh, there was a letter sent. Uh, and, and it is clearly said in verse number four, thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles whom I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. When you don't know God, you'll call it something else. But when you know God, you know even the most uncomfortable things are not outside of his control. Uh, God allowed the present crisis. Those who don't know it, uh, don't know God, may say it was a, a it was formulated in a lab, or it was because of where it started. It was because of a bat. At the end of the day, there's nothing that happens within the realm of humanity. Number one, that God doesn't know about, and number two, that God doesn't allow. The Bible says that. God makes it clear through Jeremiah that they were sent into exile. Now, let, now, there are some principles in this text that will bless you and I in this time period. It will bless you and I in this season. And this is why I felt moved to rehearse this text again. Look at what the Bible says in verse number 5 of Jeremiah 29. The Bible says that, through Jeremiah, God tells his people while they were in an uncomfortable situation, while they were in exile, while they were not where they wanted to be, while things were not the way they used to be, he tells them to build houses and live in them and plant gardens and eat their produce. produce. 
See, just because you're in an uncomfortable situation does not mean you can't be productive. God is saying you need to be productive in that uncomfortable situation. Yes, it's not Jerusalem. Yes, I know it's not Jerusalem. No, it's not where you were. No, you don't have the, the liberties you had. No, it isn't. It's, yes, it's more constricting and more confining. But God is saying in your uncomfortable situation, be productive. Build houses. In other words, do something that will count beyond the situation. And I'm telling you today, those of you who are watching right now, okay, you, we, spent, we spent time, we spent time uh, making TikTok videos. That's good. We spent time dancing and playing games. Now it's time, while you have this time in your uncomfortable moment, you and I should be being productive. We should be building things. Building what? Now, well, here the text says houses. Well, now is the time to build relationships uh, that you didn't have time to invest in. Build relationships. Not only that, now is the time to plant garden. Now, to, now is the time to sow some seeds uh, because what will happen is if you sow in your discomfort, if you sow in your bondage, you'll reap in your liberty. And so what God is telling them to do is put themselves in a posture while they are uncomfortable that would make it more profitable whenever this time was over. In other words, settle down. Settle down. I know we're antsy. I, God knows I am. We're ready for things to be different. And, uh, and, uh, and, and, and we're making plans for things to be different. But God will make a way to where you can build in a storm. As a matter of fact, Mountain View, I need to tell you this, that right now you may not notice it because the camera hasn't panned this, this building. But during this time, renovations took place. It would, have been, uh, it would have been a grave inconvenience for these renovations to happen had we still been assembling here. But God took our period of un discomfort and we built something. We renovated something. Even our own sister Melba Todd, being uncomfortable does not mean you have to be unproductive. She got her kidney. It didn't happen when she was free to come and worship here. It happened during a shelter-in-place kind of discomfort and uncomfortable crisis. So God is saying to us through this text, be productive. Do something that counts beyond it. And I'm not saying don't have fun. Neither, I'm, I'm not, God knows we need to do some things to entertain our minds. But all of that stuff you said that you would do if you only had the time when things were, were, were the former normal, all of those things that you said you would commit to, it's amazing the things we want to do when we can't and the things we won't do when we can. Be productive. I've heard people say I would study more if I had time. God has given you time. I heard people say I would call people more if I had time. God has given you time. Write a song. Write a song. Pray with somebody. Uh, sharpen your skills. Sharpen your ability. Pick up a healthy hobby. Do something productive in this season. He says, 
build houses, live in them, plant gardens, and eat their produce. This is not a new thing. In Genesis chapter 46, 1 through 3, and I want to read that, Genesis chapter 46, verses 1, 2, and 3. And if you are following in your Bibles, the Bible says in Genesis 46, 1, 2, and 3, so Israel set out with all that he had and came to Beersheba and offered sacrifices to the God of his father Isaac. And God spoke to Israel in visions of the night and said, Jacob, Jacob, and he said, here I am. And he said, I am God, the God of your father. Do not be afraid to go down to Egypt, for I will make you a great nation there. Do not be afraid to go down into Egypt. I will make you a great nation here, there. Now, what's interesting is they went down in greatness, but they ended up in slavery. Egypt didn't stay comfortable. Egypt became an uncomfortable situation for them. They went down while Joseph was, was the prince of Egypt. They went down knowing that Joseph would take care of them. And then they, they multiplied there. They multiplied. And the Bible says in Exodus chapter 1, verses 8, that there arose a king that knew not Joseph. In essence, Egypt's temperature changed. But God's promise stayed the same. And God's promise was, don't be afraid to go down there because I'm going to make you great. And at the point where they became slaves, it may have, may have looked like God was reneging on his promise. But I'm here to tell you that you are not made great in the womb of greatness. You're made great in the womb of disparity. You're not made great in freedom. You're made great in confinement. As a matter of fact, everything that becomes great becomes great out of sight. Plants and seed becomes great under the soil where you can't see. A, a, a caterpillar becomes great in a cocoon that you can't see. Everything that is worth, that ends up with, in some level of greatness, that process happens out of sight. It happens in a dark place. It happens in a hidden place. It happens in a place that's not so obvious and not so great. And God is saying to the children of Israel in Jeremiah, do what you did before. You became great before, and guess what? how I made you great? I made you great in the uncomfortable situation, and, and how did they become great in the uncomfortable situation they were productive the reason why Pharaoh went after is the Israelites so much is because they were such great contributors to the Egyptian economy that he was losing the economy was about to go upside down and and belly up because the children of Israel were leaving they became great there being slaves for other people and God is telling them again, hey, you're going to be, this is uncomfortable, but be productive. Not only that, but he said, take wives. Be reproductive. This is what he's saying. Take wives and become the fathers of sons and daughters and take wives for your sons and give your, uh, and give your daughters to husbands that they may bear sons and daughters and multiply there and do not decrease. And do not decrease. 
the same thing happened with the children of Israel. The reason why they came out a nation is because while they were an enslaved people, they multiplied. They multiplied. They had babies. Now, now of course, here, God is saying, do what you did again. Now, the principle is, and, and, and watch. Now, I, I did not mean this literally, but guess what? There are going to be some COVID children. There are going to be some COVID babies, folks. There are going to be some, ba any baby born between November and December is a COVID kid. It means while you were uncomfortable, you got together. Because there's nothing that will bring people together like being uncomfortable together, like being restricted together, like being confined together. Uh, just pay attention. COVID kids are coming. The Bible says, <laughs> the Bible says that they were reproductive in, in a very metaphorical sense, in an allegorical sense. Hand down some traits to your children. Fathers, this is the time to teach your children how to manage money, to reproduce the good qualities in you. I often say of my own children, I pray all of the good things about you on, about me on you and none of the bad things about me. Now is the time to plant seeds in your children. The reality was that when they were going to reproduce, they were going to reproduce and bring about children who would come out of the uncomfortable place even when they didn't. So he says, be reproductive. The Bible says, seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you, verse number 7, into exile, and pray to the Lord on its behalf for in its welfare, you will have welfare. This is not the time to be rebellious. This is the time to pray for your city. This is not the time to complain about who your mayor is or who your governor is. I think we have a great mayor, but this is not the time to complain about even who the president is. This uncomfortable womb can become the place where you become bitter or the place where you become better. And God is telling these people, his people who are in Babylonian captivity, to pray for your city. Pray for the well-being of the city. Why? Because if God blesses the city, the city becomes a blessing to live in. This is not the time to be rebellious about mandates that are put in place to keep our families safe. This is the time when the children of God should be praying for every magistrate, every potentate, every president, every governor, every mayor, every city council person because it's easy to win jeopardy when you're on the seat of your, uh, of your couch. This is the time that I don't need pray for all of our politicians and people in power, but this is the time to pray for our front line, liners, to pray for the nurses and doctors who have to deal with people who are contagious, and to pray for even people who have to clean up in these facilities, to pray for the people who are making the mask. There are, life is a big production that consists of more than you're seeing. And if the people of God don't pray, who will? So he says, pray for the welfare of the city. Now I want you to look at verse number 8. 
The Bible says, for thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, do not let your prophets who are in your midst and your diviners deceive you and do not listen to the dreams which they dream, for they prophesy falsely to you in my name. I have not sent them. See, what happens when you're in an uncomfortable situation is you become vulnerable. Not only do you become vulnerable when your hope is on the line, but you become gullible. You become vulnerable because you're open and you're so desperate for hope. And we begin, and all of us have been in places where we just want hope. We want to feel better and, and we become vulnerable. This is why some of us fail to some of the, fail to some of the, even the financial schemes and the financial Ponzi schemes because we were in a place of vulnerability. This is why some of us, have, uh, some of, some people today will try anything, anything, any gimmick. This is why there are a lot of predators out there putting things on social media and things on television and things on Facebook and things on Instagram saying that if you if you get this and drink this water uh, and get this pill then uh, it will protect you this is why some people fail for, for if you just stand in the Sun things will be better because when people are in crisis they are vulnerable but they're not only vulnerable but they're also gullible it's easy to believe anything when when you're desperate to believe in something. And even in this time, in this text, there were religious people. There were prophets, false prophets, who were basically telling them things that gave them false hope. And God, through the prophet Jeremiah, says, right now, if you're in my hands, don't listen to somebody who claims to come in my name. Listen to me. Listen to what I'm saying. This is not the time to be shaky in your theology. I'm here to tell you, church, this is not the time to become flippant in your theology. What God says is what not only he said, but it's what he's saying and it's what he's going to say. God spoke and is speaking and will speak and he speaks through his word. There's some that will tell you this is, this is what's going on and will try to interpret what's going on based, based on something outside of the word of God because we're so gullible and vulnerable and we want change and we're tired of shelter in place and we're tired of COVID-19 and we're tired of coronavirus and we're tired of startling statistics and we just want to hear something. We just want to hear a word. Here's the deal. God's word never changes. We are still the church. Whatever we were to be doing before COVID, before crisis, before confinement, before shelter in place, God did not change his agenda. Yes, the situation changed. Yes, the climate changed. Yes, the economy changed. Yes, health has changed. But God has not changed his agenda. Don't look for somebody who will say something on the behalf of God any different than what God is saying. People are vulnerable. People want to hear something. And in this particular text, what false prophets were telling them 
And God says, repeats, not listening to them. As a matter of fact, why don't you go, if you got a moment, turn to Jeremiah chapter 27 and, uh, and, and verse number 9. I want you to see something in Jeremiah chapter 27 and verse number 9. This is not the first time God is telling them. God knew his people were vulnerable. He knew his people were gullible. They were in Babylonian captivity. And the first thing you're looking for when you're in a situation you don't want to be in is you're looking for somebody with a word of hope for a way out. But here's the reality, people. Sometimes what we're in is, is designated by God. Sometimes the season is designated by God. What do you do? Who do you appeal to when the well that swallowed you was prepared by God? Who do you appeal to when the storm that surrounds you was crafted by the hand of the Almighty? And while people want uh, people want to pray for you and we pray for one another. No person can pray you outside of what God has designed for you. He, no one can pray you out of what God designated for you. I'm telling you and I'm sharing with all of us today that there are some seasons that are inevitable, but not only inevitable, but some seasons that God designed. We blame the devil too much for God's handiwork. I said sometimes we play, blame the devil for God's handiwork because we equate uncomfortable with evil. But uncomfortable does not always mean evil. Uncomfortable can mean reset, as it did for the children of Israel. They were uncomfortable, but it was a reset. Uncomfortable can mean revision. Uncomfortable can mean makeover. For the caterpillar, uncomfortable means butterfly. Here in Jeremiah chapter 27, verse 9, it says, But as for you, God says again through the prophet, do not listen to your prophets, your diviners, your dreamers, your soothsayers, or your sorcerers who speak to you saying, you shall not serve the king of Babylon. They were prophesying that they would not be in Babylonian captivity. And God told them through the prophet, don't listen to them when they tell you this situation, this uncomfortable situation is not going to happen to you. For they prophesy a lie to you in order to remove you far from your land and I will drive you out and you will perish. Either you go into what I have designed for you, even though it's uncomfortable, or you vanquish. He says, verse number 14, chapter 27, look at the text. So do not listen to the words of the prophets who speak to you, saying you shall not serve the king of Babylon, for they prophesy a lie to you, for I have not sent them Every bit of good news is not good news from God. But they prophesy falsely in my name in order that I might drive you out and that you may perish, you and the prophets who prophesy to you. God had designed Babylonian captivity. Watch this. Not only for recompense, but for recovery. Mm. 
God had designed the discomfort of being in exile, not only because of recompense, but for recovery. And sometimes when we run or attempt to run from what has been designated for us to endure, we run from recovery to disaster. The Bible says that it, back in our text, Jeremiah 29, he says, I have not sent those prophets. They're going to tell you things that you want to hear. I have not sent them. And even right now, you may know some religious enthusiasts, some, some with a charismatic spirit who says, we're coming out of here. We're coming out of here. I prophesy that by, by the end of May, everything's going to be back to normal. Right now, you better hear the word of the Lord. You better understand that God's will is superior. And this can be a segue into the sovereignty of God. Because at the end of the day, if God wants you somewhere, nobody can't pray you out of it. I don't care if they put take oil. And it's amazing how gullible we become when we are vulnerable. So look at what he says. For thus saith the Lord. These prophets are going to tell you you're not going into Babylonian captivity, but this is what God says. For thus saith the Lord, when 70 years have been completed for Babylon, I will visit you and fulfill my good word to you to bring you back to this place. When 70 years, you'll come back here. Mountain View, I know we want to be here. We want to be gathered together. But, but, but seven is a number of completion. Seven is a number of totalities. Seven is a number of, of, of things being done, things being finished. And of course, for them it was a literal seven years. But, maybe, maybe, but 70 can represent anything that God considers complete. We're going to come back together again when God says so. When God completes what he is doing. Not before not after, not before because of people who wish you well, not before because of people who pray. There are some lessons we are to learn. There are some recovery we're supposed to have while in our uncomfortable place. There are some relationships that need to be restored in this uncomfortable place. And God is telling them, don't listen to your false prophets. I'm going to tell you how long you're going to be there. You're going to be there 70 years. After 70 years, it's finished. After I finish doing what I'm doing, after your designated time to be in your uncomfortable place is finished, I will come and visit you and fulfill my good word to you to bring you back. God didn't say I'm going to go away and leave you alone, but he was saying regarding what you've been asking about, I will visit what you've been asking about after 70 years. In other words, prayer can't manipulate God outside of his own will. God will do what he wants to do even in spite of our prayers. Somebody said, then why pray? We pray because we, because we don't know what God's will is. We pray so that he can prepare us for God's will. We pray to let him know our desires. Let me tell you something. Prayer is not for God. It's for us. He says, after 70 years. What? 70 years? What? 
an entire 70 years? You mean I got time to build houses? I got time to plant a garden? 70 years? What? They're extending the shelter in place till May? What? 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 Impatience will intensify discomfort. Let me say that again. Impatience will always intensify discomfort. And so, because they were so gullible and they were so vulnerable, God had to let them know exactly how long. In spite of what the prophets say, in spite of what well-wishers say, in spite of what these false prophets declare, verse 11, he says, in spite of all of that, I know the plans I have for you. I know the plans I have for you. I know the plans. Don't miss it. Don't miss it. He's not saying, I know the plans I have for you. That's not what he's saying first. Everything is not about this. See, we're, we've made ourselves the center of the story of our, of our own tribulation. No, no. God is, it's about God. God says, in spite of your discomfort, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Now, it doesn't feel like it, but the plans involve your well-being. And it doesn't look like it, but they, they involve no calamity. So what was God saying if he's saying, I know the plans I have for you? Now, watch this. He wasn't saying, I know the plans I have for you after you come out. That's not what he said. The plans that he had for them were actually unfolding while they were in Babylonian captivity. And I'm here to tell you and I today that God's plan doesn't start when this thing is over. His plan is in effect right now. He's working his plan out, even in the middle of discomfort. Some of us are praying more than we've ever prayed. That was the plan. Some of us are talking more than we've ever talked. That was the plan. Some of us have stopped taking selfies and started taking pictures of our own loved ones. That was the plan. Some of us are learning how to manage our money better. That was the plan. It wasn't going to be just some miraculous uprising of welfare. No, these people were going to learn how to build their own houses. They were going to practice planting gardens. They were going to have families. They were going to build themselves right in the middle of the ones who were oppressing them. God says, I know the plans I have for you. Many read this text and may assume that the plans have to do with when they come out. No. God's plan is now. God's plan is now. He says, to give you a future and a hope. That future involves building. See, whatever you do in practice, you do in the game, right? Practice is for the game. Um, 
You don't practice if there's no game. You don't, you don't rehearse if there's nowhere to sing. Rehearsal is for the performance. Practice is for the game. You don't acquire the qualities you need in the game at the game. You acquire the qualities you need in the game at the practice. You acquire the skills you need for the, for the performance at the rehearsal. And God was putting them in place so that they can practice and they can rehearse the greatness that would, they would, watch this, not that they would receive when they got out, but they, they will have coming out, which means right now. He says, then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. And you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. See, one of the things that uncomfortable situations do is it causes us to seek God. Sometimes life can be filled with so much clutter that you stop seeking God. You're seeking for a school to attend. You're seeking for a better job. Life's clutter will divide our search. But at the end of the day, discomfort, uncomfortable situations and crises will give us a fresh appetite to seek God. To seek God even about things that have to do with our lives, our career, our families, our relationships. He says, and I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and I will restore your fortunes and will gather you from all the nations and from all the places where I have driven you, declares the Lord, and I will bring you back to the place where I sent you into exile. What was the place? Jerusalem. 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 Salem. Otherwise known as Shalom. Shalom, the Hebrew word for peace. He says, I'm going to bring you back to a place of peace. To the city of peace. There are things we take for granted before Babylon, before Babylon that you won't take for granted anymore. There are things you looked over before Babylon that you won't look over again. And at the end of the day, remember, God redefines when we are confined. Coming out, we will not look the same. So what do we do? We're talking about the sovereignty of God next week. A segue to that is number one, accept the situation. Hope, but don't predict. I, I, I know that sounds crazy, but, you know, hope. Have hope, but don't predict. Because when you start predicting, you start building your hope on your prediction instead of building your hope on God's will. Yeah, I predict we're going to, and I'm not saying don't have that conversation, but don't bank on anything that you predict. At the end of the day, God knows the plans. They were in exile 
for 70 years, which means that perhaps there were some people who were seniors who went into exile that wouldn't come out. Are you under 70 years is a lifetime, which means that there were those who went into exile who wouldn't come out, and it also meant that there would be those who would be born in exile that would come out of it. God's plan is bigger than our personal agenda, and we have to trust God's plan. Even, even when trusting God's plan is terribly, horrifically uncomfortable. God bless you. I pray that this helps somebody. And remember that when God says it's time, it's time. And I hope this was not morbid, and, and I hope this didn't bring morbidity to your spirit. It should bring victory to your spirit. Because in the meantime, God will keep you. He will keep you in the midst of whatever discomfortable, situ uncomfortable situation you're in. And when he says it's time, uh, it, will, it will happen. If you're not saved, I can't think of a better time to be saved than today. There's a thing called the fullness of time. Galatians 4 and 4, the fullness of time is when things are in place, when God has decided uh, it's time. And in the fullness of time, when God said it was time, everything is based on God's time. And in order for it to be based on God's time, God has to step out of eternity into time so that we can measure what God is doing. But I'm going to tell you, so that he can communicate what he's doing to us. But at the end of the day, God is in eternity. And so he steps into time to benefit us, and, and in the fullness of time, God sent forth his son, born of a woman made under the law, to redeem those who are under the law so that we all might receive the adoption of sons. And I'm here to tell you that God waited till the time was right to even send Jesus. Then Jesus waited till the time was right for him to be crucified. How do you know? There were other times in John chapter 8 and in John chapter 10 when they tried to kill him prematurely, but they couldn't kill him prematurely because he was waiting for the right time. And when the time came for him to give his life, when they came for him, he didn't disappear. He didn't flee. He didn't vanish through him. He, they said, are you the one? And he says, I am he. And they, he allowed himself to be taken. And when it was time, he, he subjected and submitted himself to being whipped and, and scourged and spit upon. He submitted to him. Why? Not, why? Not because he couldn't help it, but because it was time. And when it was time, they nailed him on the cross. They nailed him between two thieves, which means because the prophet said that he would be numbered with the transgressors, it meant that these two thieves had to become thieves. It meant that it had to be time enough for them to do whatever crime it was going to take for them to be included on the cross with Jesus. And when that was time, Jesus was crucified and they along beside him. And when it was time, they took him off the cross. And when it was his time, they put him in the tomb. And he stayed there. But all because God is a God that does things in his time, when it was time on the third day, he got up with all power in his hand. And now he's saying to you, today is the day of salvation. And now is the acceptable day.